Welcome to the Client Experience Collaborative Podcast. This collaborative combines client savvy's deep industry knowledge of CX and professional services firms and 16 years of client feedback gathering and analysis with CX Pilot's two decades of embedding CX into unique business-to-business cultures. This bi-weekly podcast is for firm executives and CX leaders looking for tips, secrets, ideas, and resources from two of the CX industry's most innovative pioneers. To access this community and stay informed, go to clientexperience.com and join the mailing list today. And now, here's our host, Blake Godwin. Hello, this is Blake Godwin from Client Savvy. Welcome to our Client Experience Podcast, a collaboration and production between Client Savvy and CX Pilots. This is a growing series of informative episodes with CX experts who are helping professional services firms become experience-led. Today, we will be discussing COVID-19 and other issues around how it is affecting client and employee experience, and you should expect to see another episode from us within the next two weeks. So today on the Client Experience Podcast, we have Stephen Keith, the founder and CEO of CX Pilots, as well as our founding partner, Ryan Sadam and CXO of Client Savvy. Gentlemen, how are we today? Great. Good afternoon, Blake. Good afternoon. So we've got a pretty interesting situation going on in the world today uh, with everybody having to go virtual. And uh, I hope today we were able to get some really good insights, uh, some thought leadership from the two of you who are uh, clearly thought leaders and uh, positioned as eminence around CX in the professional services arena. So let's start out with a simple question. You know, are professional services organizations pre- prepared for this sudden transition? Stephen, we'll start with you. I think that a lot of organizations that that we're hearing from are not prepared, but they have exquisite PR and are kind of learning as they go. To me, like when you when you talk about preparedness, you talk about your kind of inward culture, people side of things, and then you talk about your outward, more client-facing side of things. And, and I think that people are able to bend and flex and adapt internally to learn to you know how to how to orchestrate work from home a, a little more easily now when it comes to uh pointing outward toward the client i think it's more difficult specifically because you have to deal with how your client is also adapting to this as well so i think um we believe that everybody's going to get really good at this really fast out of desperation but my bottom line answer on that question is not as prepared as they could be or could have been but getting there steven i think you cover a lot of important points there Uh, some of the the firms i've spoken with in the last couple of weeks particularly the mid and large size firms i have multiple offices a lot of them uh, feel very comfortable with uh, uh, telework, uh, video conferencing. A lot of those those tools for sharing knowledge across physical boundaries have already been figured out. But as you said, most of those have been focused on internal processes and protocols. So even the companies that that might feel a bit better prepared 
for a, a work from home situation and, and uh, disruption in the general workflows, I don't think most are prepared to deliver great client experiences to their clients because uh, many of our clients aren't prepared for this. And all of our processes we've built as firms are, are, are really built around the old way of doing things. So we haven't had time yet, yet, to really radically think through how do we deliver communication, responsiveness, availability, all those other critical elements to our clients uh, in this new way of working. So uh, I think the firms that feel like they're quickly ready to be work from home may have a false sense of security because they haven't thought all the way through what are the impacts of this new arrangement to my clients and how do we prepare for that? I totally agree with you. I, I think that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, when people are being honest, I think everybody's trying to figure this stuff out as they go. Uh, there's one, there's one organization that we're working with that actually had a plan in place. And uh, there, I mean, even despite having a, you know, a gilded crisis management plan, um, there are certain things about that plan that needed to be rapidly adapted. So I don't think there's really anybody out there that has, you know, everything totally figured out. I think everybody's, you know, tr totally scrambling. And I think the, the important thing to take from that is um, no matter who you are or, or where you work or, you know, what client you have, I think everybody is just practicing uh, a fair degree of adaptability. And, you know, everybody gets a mulligan, you know, or a series of mulligans to get through this. So I, I couldn't agree with both of you more. I mean, really, this is an unprecedented situation, right? So um, I think we all definitely could have been more prepared, uh, but how much more could we have been? I guess one of the things I'd love to hear from you two is, you know, what's the first thing that leaders or, or individual managers uh, can do during this trying time to help their employees cope? Uh, you know, to help their employees not deal with, uh, you know, lacking production or, or loss of connection or, you know, even feeling anxiety of what's going on with my business and all the challenges that we're hearing uh, out in the professional services arena today. Yeah, I think that's a, a really tough question to answer uh, uh, for everyone but I've seen a, a common response and I've seen the less common response out there in the marketplace. And a lot of the leaders are, are so focused on how do I still get from my employees what I'm used to getting from them when they're in the office and they're struggling with this accountability gap of, of I can't see them. How do I know that they're working? How do I make sure they're being productive? When I think the more progressive leaders are taking the flip side approach, which is how do I make sure my employees are getting what they need from me and, and from the organization in a, a, a support perspective, rather than focusing first on how do I get what I, I need from them. So that empathetic approach of a starting with the employee, thinking through what's going on in their world, um, 
and 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 uh, letting go of of some preconceived notions. You know, we're, we're kind of used to this idea of work hours being generally nine to five, and 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 whatever this world kind of used to look like. Well, now you've got parents who are are stuck inside with kids, and kids need 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 some homeschooling and help, and they're trying to get their classes. So even things like a shifting more towards focusing on on deliverables rather than focusing in on on actual production hours other things like that are are just going to be be necessary to really think through what are my employees dealing with what are they facing and how do we support them as best as possible so that they can deliver what we're used to seeing from them from a, a, a production you know, that, Ryan, is, is really interesting. It reminds me of, of an old saying, uh, you know, the CFO says to the CEO, can we really count on our employees uh, to be productive remote? And the CEO looks back at the CFO and says, well, how can we afford not to trust them? Right. And uh, I wonder, um, just an add on question to this. And Stephen, I'd like to hear your perspective on, on the same question as well as this one. How do we show uh, that we that we believe, that we trust, that they are going to be productive? And how do we not break that trust by letting our curiosity kind of kill that relationship? You know, what do you need? How, how can we keep you successful? I think there's a big fine line between support and, and, and trust. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I kind of reframe that question a little bit in my mind. I, I, there, there, there are a couple dynamics that are really interesting at play here. Like we do a lot of work together with um, the AEC industry. And we've, I mean, we, we know that the predominant um, management structure is uh, anything to boost utilization. And um, we together as collaborators have been telling uh, firm leaders for, for you know, forever, um, there are other like utilization is really important um but there are other ways to get productivity out of people by you know by looking at you know, new ways of engagement and, and shared accountability etc there are a lot of interesting models that are being incubated that are proving themselves out so that's one interesting dynamic another another interesting dynamic is you know i part of me just kind of you know, is, is kind of biting my tongue with a, I told you so, uh, mentality, you know, for how many years, uh, you guys, have we been trying to get people to shift the, their sort sort of dominant mindset to, uh, to empathy and trust, you know, I can, it's been a lot, it's been a long time and we've, you know, there's nothing that is elevating that sense of, of trust and empathy now than what Ryan said earlier. Like you now have, you know, firm executives at home trying to figure out, you know, middle school algebra while they're also trying to figure out, you know, how to deal with, uh, you know, Zoom technology to make sure they make it to that next client call. That takes My wife's last Facebook post about an hour ago was frustration at trying to remember middle school algebra terms. So uh, uh, yes, that's very real in my world, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're all kind of going through it. And, you know, I, I know of one person who is, you know, trying to figure out uh, how to do that middle school algebra all over again. 
and you know at the same time struggling with you know trying to get their you know try to get their microphone and their you know their video set and you know make sure they make it to that next client call so you know if you're a, if you're a firm leader and you're frustrated with you know people trying to juggle this stuff um, you really need to you really need to back off and re and rethink this um, I you know I, I don't I don't know very many people who are you know not not being empathetic and trying to figure this out but um, I'm sure that there are a few out there yeah there, there there certainly is and I think that that really leads to uh, a next question for me um, that I would love to hear both of your perspectives on and Ryan we'll start with you you know what what should people do who aren't accustomed to remote work and what what can they do uh, to be psychologically ready for it yeah, that's a interesting question, and and I've got you know, 15 years of experience managing a remote team in Eastern Europe and and trying to build community and connection with them. So, uh, uh, I feel like this this uh, uh, shift to to the new normal has been a little easier in some ways for us. But um, I think uh, firms that are encouraging self organization in this new uh, virtual and digital reality are, are making some really happy discoveries. They're starting to see where there's potential leadership that maybe didn't exist before, or, or perhaps new kinds of leaders that are needed today that, that, that um, uh, strengths we maybe didn't recognize or depend on a mere month ago, uh, uh, becoming more visible and more apparent today. So, so um, anything we can do to encourage visible self-organization uh, there's so many tools out there to allow that kind of collaboration and, and things to happen but that was a I heard from a one firm uh, just yesterday and one of the people on the staff said you know I've never felt so connected to the team before since we all started working from home and and that was just a really interesting comment to hear that that's pretty um, amazing yeah that that in this time some people are able to operate in their strengths and while others are struggling to operate out of weakness some people are all of a sudden able to work in their strengths in ways they've never done so before and and maybe we've become too over relay too over reliant on a narrow set of strengths and this is a great opportunity to let people elevate based on their strengths and, and and really lead us into being more flexible organizations for the future. So Ryan, uh, real quick, you mentioned visual collaboration and I've, I've got, you know, 16 years of experience of, of working remote and, you know, traveling the world for business. But what, what do you mean? Can you, for the audience, can you give them a little bit more insight as to what you mean, some examples around visual collaboration? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of great tools. I mean, uh, tools I've been using for years, like planning poker. Uh, I, I have no stock or vested interest in any of these things at planningpoker.com. Really just a neat way to get people around a, a gamification version of planning work. Uh, 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 our team's done it for 15 years and, and, and really kind of loves it. Um, certainly video conferencing and Zoom, we've all been, been playing around with a, a, a backgrounds and building little inside jokes, which has been fun. Um, 
I just discovered a new uh, a virtual whiteboarding tool in the last couple of weeks that that uh, our early experiments on that have been been really uh, um, uh, engaging and and uh, 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 it's a tool called Mural.co. Uh, neat way just to get people together in the same kind of virtual space, either synchronously or asynchronously, to to generate ideas and brainstorm and do design thinking exercises. We actually just did an empathy map that way. Uh, this week for the first time, really kind of cool. So uh, I, um, what's interesting is is uh, as we learn these tools and build these capabilities and 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 think through new ways of uh, coordinating visually and virtually, we have these aha moments of, oh, this is something we did in response to the current situation, but this is something we're going to add to our toolkit kind of forever. So so. That's what's interesting. I don't think we're ever going to go back to the old way of doing things. Crisis always forces innovation in order to survive. And each of those innovations becomes a valuable part of your, your toolkit going forward. So uh, um, uh, a lot of different ways I think uh, uh, you can go out there. And there's so many tools out there, so many great ways. I, I'd, I'd love any listeners to this podcast to share with us great tools and resources you found that help teams uh, really feel connected in a virtual way. Yeah, thanks for that, Ryan. Uh, and you, you, you mentioned something around empathy mapping. Uh, boy, would now be a great time to, to leverage the exercise of empathy mapping for not only uh, their clients and, and their employees, uh, just a perfect exercise in, in this particular scenario. Stephen, what's, what's your thoughts? Um, well, the way that we're talking to, to our clients is that there are, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of different um, dimensions to work that you need to be thinking about. I, I, you know, we're, we're trying to help people through what we call a disaster tunity. Um, uh, and I love what Ryan said about the, you know, crisis should unleash whole new waves of imagination. I think that's, that's so true. But I, I think that, Blake, your question was like, what should, you know, now that we have this, what should people do? I think you have to, I think you have to look at what, you know, parts of your business need to, need to, need to bend and flex a little bit, like the, the structure, you know, how you team and, and collaborate. You need to think about that you, using those, you know, visual organization tools and collaboration tools is really important strategy like how how do you how do you plan and organize and execute now you know there's a whole the whole new realm of uh strategy needs to be readdressed right now yeah resource you know resources where and how do you prioritize your your assets and resources um that needs to be looked at uh workflow you know the way you meeting structure knowledge base in, how you know how you're uh, centralizing your your assets? A lot of people have known they needed to do that, but man, now is now is a almost a, a, a moment too late to try to figure it out. But nonetheless, you know it's something that needs to be figured out. Stephen, yeah, jumping, in, uh, jumping in on that, I uh, I uh, um I think in professional services, we all tend to get so myopic uh, in our little industry niches and we all go to 
uh, our own conferences with all of our peers and competitors and spend very little time looking outward at what are other types of, of businesses doing. And uh, uh, um, yeah, I think looking at the tech industry and uh, there's so many companies these days that are entirely 100% virtual and they don't even have an office if you wanted to and they're being very successful. Most of them aren't in professional services. They're outside of professional services. Uh, I saw a, a, a great, great uh, series of blog posts. I think uh, Slack put them out. Um, how they're, they're all a, a, a work from home, uh, uh, very virtualized company, um, and, and how they've set up cultures and measurement and accountability and all these other things. So there's some great resources out there from companies that have been doing this for a decade, not 10 days that we can learn from. Yeah, well, I, I, I wanna, Blake, you, you, you mentioned something, you know, you're responding to something Ryan said earlier. Um, if you're not mapping journeys, you know, if you're, not, if, if you're not trying to think about the linear progression that, you know, clients move you know, from one stage to another right now. And you're not, you know, understanding where those points of interactions are. Man, I feel horrible for you. Like, <laughs> you, you need to understand what, the, what, your, what your client's journey is right now so that you can engineer new ways of delivering value to them given this virtualization reflex. And that's a really, really key thing. And Stephen, I think uh, uh, to the same point, it's harder to map a journey necessarily for a work at home employee, but doing a week in the life of exercise of a work at home employee and, and really using empathy and some of those skills to, 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 to understand, you know, what are the core personas that make up your workforce and what does their world look like now? I think we all kind of understood it when they were coming in the office because we kind of had their eight to 10 hour a day slice where they were uh, uh, devoted to us plus the other uh, 16 hours a day when we could interrupt with a cell phone and text and emails after hour. But it's all kind of a, a, a mixed up hodgepodge right now. And, and we, a lot of our employees just can't give us eight continuous hours of a focus like they were when they were in the office because of what's going on in the world. So if we don't understand what those demographies are, what the different uh, personas are dealing with and facing, uh, you know, we might try to create a one size fits none approach to work from home that, that really fails everybody in the organization rather than being very flexible and creating different opportunities to engage, work, collaborate, contribute and be productive that's sensitive to what each type of employee is facing today. Yeah, that's that's a really, really great point. So let's look at it this way. And I think this would be something everybody would love to understand. So let's say you found the tools. Let's say you've got the resources. Let's say you've built a structure on how you and your team uh, can work remote in a very productive way. So what are the top three things that an organization or leaders can do to create a good remote culture? All, all of employees, the workforce today, they wanna to know about culture. So 
we're in a pandemic, we're dealing with this situation, we've got the tools, we've got the resources, we've got the structure, how do we create a good culture for remote work? So you're saying what, what, what are the top three things leaders can do like right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying what, what are the things that you can do to shape a good remote working culture? It's different from having the tools, it's different from having the resources and the know-how. The culture of, of creating a positive work environment while remote, I think is one of the most challenging things. So, so what are the top three things that, that, are, that a firm can do to create a good environment for their employees while working remote? Well, I, I, I think that if you, my counsel is, is to go kind of bottom up as opposed to top down. I think if um, bottom, like if you're, if you manage like three or four frontline people, I think one of the things that you can do if, when you're having your, you know, daily, weekly, whatever um, status meetings or something, that person who manages like three or four people should always start with, hey, how's everybody holding up? How's everybody doing? What, what you know, what can we do to help you with, um, the, you know, the work that you're doing, given what's going on? And then, and then up the chain. So one thing is, is to move through the move through the work day, you know, acknowledge that everybody's kind of working asynchronously and, and make sure that you're putting out your feelers to, to make sure that everybody is, is, is doing well before you move into, you know, business. I, I'll answer, uh, you know, before you could be, be really strategic with the answer here. Uh, you could also get down to some very pragmatic and practical things. I'll lead towards the uh, practical here just because I think people are, are looking for that. Uh, I'll encourage intentional togetherness, any opportunity that you can. And that can be synchronous togetherness, uh, uh, daily uh, um, uh, video calls to kick off the day, just so we're all kind of starting our work day together and, and uh, clearing roadblocks and hurdles. Uh, um, you know, we're also hungry for connection, particularly those who live in an empty house. I've got you know, five other people here, so uh, I see plenty of faces, but I know there's others on the team who, who uh, need that sense of uh, connection. Uh, in that forum, following Stephen's advice of checking in on people first, uh, uh, absolutely critical. And then also some asynchronous togetherness. What are some things that you can all do kind of together where at some point when you are synchronously in the same virtual room, you've got something you can talk about, whether that's that's uh, a swapping movie recommendations and, and everyone watching a movie and, and have something to, to talk about on a Friday, or, or uh, uh, some other kind of thing where we're all kind of doing something together so that we're intentional about, you know what, we're doing this in order for us to be a team. And, and, and you know, again, the more that can be self-organized amongst the ranks, I think the stronger that's gonna be. And I'd like to add a third. So um, the third thing that I think that you can do, uh, and I've seen this, I've seen this blow up monstrously I, I've seen this like completely fail um, if not done correctly but I, I think that you start by trying to accomplish like one smaller project with a team collaboration tool like slack or teams or you know something like that 
and then try to scale it up. Um, where I saw it fail was I, you know, a company was trying to, you know, they were, they had that knee jerk reflex to virtualize. Everybody got on Slack. They tried to like essentially move the entire enterprise to Slack and it was a disaster. And it's, you know, it's, it's been sort of unfolding over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, the, the, the course correction was, Hey, let's just get, you know, individual teams to, to do smaller things with Slack and, and just see how it works and then scale up. So it's a very powerful tool. Uh, if you're, if you're using it correctly and you get people engaged and I think that's something that people need to think through, um, delicately there's so much wisdom in that steven because we all know there's going to be failure when we're rapidly trying to do new things so if we innovate small if we try things small we can fail small we can fail fast and and feel some degree of comfort in that because a short fast failure leads to much quicker sustainable successes and and in this time of uncertainty, the last thing anyone needs is a large failure. So I certainly like that idea of rapid iteration and prototyping to test the boundaries, see what works, see what doesn't, and then based on what's worked, drive towards a successful future. Yeah, I think all, those are those are three good ideas. All all really great ideas. And uh, you know, just to to wrap this up because we're out of time today, um, we covered a lot of great things and and how this is affecting. Uh, the professional services industry and, and how they can overcome this challenge. Uh, at our company, um, we have been doing uh, synchronous virtual collaborations and Zoom meetings every morning. Uh, we're having happy hours on Friday, and, and Ryan made a point to say this earlier, that we've had a few employees and staff members say they actually feel more connected, uh, even though we're not in the same office. So a, a lot of great advice from you two today. We really appreciate it. Um, next time, we'll talk a little bit more about how COVID-19 is affecting our clients and customers, uh, as well as uh, our employees. Uh, Stephen, Keith, thank you very much for joining us and being a part of this today and, and being a thought leader. Ryan, thank you very much for joining us and being a thought leader as well. Uh, expect to hear from us again at the Client Experience Podcast in two weeks. Talk to you soon.